Welcome to ContenderCast, a global leadership and consumer industries entrepreneurship podcast centered on shining a light on bright ideas. And now, here's your host, Justin Hahnemann. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for subscribing. Following Justin Hahnemann on the ContenderCast for shining a light on bright ideas. Today, we're talking to the co-founder of Figgy. I know you're going to love this company and product, and most importantly, the guest on today is Rachel Neal. I'm so excited, Rachel. We had like so much fun like talking before I hit record, so I know that this will be just a blast, and it just gets me energized. So, Rachel, so great to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to chat with you today. I, I am too. I'm so excited. Um, I mean, I love doing this anyways, but then, you know, I feed off energy, right? And you're an energy person. So, um, so cool. So I can't wait to jump into Figgy, uh, before, by the way, mom of six kids from age baby to 21 years old. So she's got a lot going on, um, besides just the business. And, um, that actually play, actually plays into her product. So, um, Rachel, share a little bit about your background before launching Figgy. Yeah, absolutely. So I am originally from the East Coast, uh, spent a little time in the West Coast and then landed in the Midwest here. And Wisconsin is where I call home. And um, aside from having the six kids, I have two businesses. So I'm truly an entrepreneur at heart. My first company, uh, Carrick's Consulting Group, I raised capital and launched back in 2016. And I've grown that to over $12 million in five-year period. And then during the pandemic, uh, you know, we were all trying to figure out what was going on. And I had kids running around driving me crazy. And I thought, my gosh, there has to be something to keep them off screens. And <laughs> the figgy was born. I think that's awesome. <laughs> well, I don't want to blow past your, I mean, that's no small feat, by the way, a $12 million business. So share a little bit about the consulting business and then we'll get to figgy. Yeah. So I saw a need in the market. Staffing has been around for a long time. And it's always done the same way. And in my mind, it didn't really align the the consultant, the consulting firm, and or the the partner client. And so I went to try and um, address that by bringing some transparency into the industry. And we have backgrounds in health tech, so that's naturally where we started. But we're industry agnostic, and we work doing um, staffing on the contract and direct hire side for tech innovation. Um, and project management all the way from venture back startups through fortune uh, five companies. Wow. That's amazing. I mean, it's not easy to build a business and let alone to do it so quickly and successfully. That's awesome. Um, and you've now had that experience of being an entrepreneur. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Some of your lessons learned, but um, you see so you have a, a services business and here you are in product. So how did the idea for Figgy come about and um, share with our audience like where it all began? Yeah. So first, I should note that I learned the hard lesson that product is very different than service. Totally. So. <laughs> I know. I'm going to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, it was during the pandemic and I was looking for ways to keep my kids entertained and active. And I noticed that there was a lot of green space in the kids play couch, kids block, fort building area. And my business partner, Chris Ropey, had been working at Land's End and had gotten laid off during the pandemic, uh, hashtag retail, right? Right. And yeah. <laughs> I went to him and I said, hey, 
I have this idea. What do you think? And he's a very different personality than me. So I, I always look for that in my business partners. And he said, I think this is a good idea. And he actually came over one day with his sewing machine and we mocked up a figgy and we said, you know what? Let's test this out on Kickstarter. Maybe Ooh. nobody wants this. Right. Um, or maybe so people Kickstarter do want was it. Really great platform. <laughs> right. Yes. <laughs> yes. And we learned that because eight minutes into our campaign, we hit $40,000, um, which was our campaign goal. And wow, amazing. then ended an organic campaign at about $230,000 and then quickly moved into the direct-to-consumer space. Wow, that's amazing. Um, how did you create the first product? So Kickstarter is a great way to start in terms of raising money and kind of getting some of that initial, you know, the funds to get launched. How did you get the initial product made so that you had something to at least test out? Yeah, so that's obviously really important. Um, what we did was we were able to leverage some of Chris's contacts from the retail space and find a factory that could make us a prototype of our product because we wanted to have the prototype before we actually launched on Kickstarter so we could make sure that, that we had a sound product. So that's, um, that's where things started. And once we got rolling on Kickstarter, we learned also how hard it was um, to get manufacturing done in the U.S. versus over overseas. There were a lot of people who weren't willing to talk to us because we didn't totally. have volume yet. Totally. Yeah, and that's a challenge, right? I mean, so and we hear that a lot with other uh, product entrepreneurs like yourself on our show where they've tried to get initial prototypes made or small volume runs made. And it's really challenging in the US, especially to find manufacturers that will do that, or at least are set up for that. So how did you figure that out? Where did you go? And how did you sort through that? Yeah, so we started by we did try everybody in America that we could think of. So I would just sit there and spend my days calling foam factories, calling cotton sew places, um, prototyping places. But finally, we had found somebody over in Asia and we used a broker that kind of helped us um, go in between and work with the factory to, to procure our, um, our prototype. Sure. And then, of course, we got hit with the all the freight increases right i mean so tough timing right i mean let alone the turnaround time to get product here yeah and i think one of the best things that um that we did with our kickstarter that i would recommend to anybody is there aren't a ton of guidelines when you go into kickstarter about how to price your products and like it's very nebulous like set your goal to whatever you think your goal is which can get some people in trouble we made we made sure that we put a buffer in our product cost to um, it, that was at least 20% to account for anything that could possibly go wrong or price increases. And that actually saved our butts when it came to um, getting our Kickstarter product delivered because the, the freight costs went up so high, um, but we were still able to cover that and honor our pledges because we had built that in wow. to our model. Well, that's pretty cool. And good that you did that, I'm sure. Describe though, so not everyone that's listening has seen the figgy or knows what it is we're even talking about. So talk about what it is and how it's uh, you know it applies to kids. Yeah, absolutely. So we wanted to make a product that not only was fun for kids, but grew with them and was aesthetically pleasing for the modern home. Because... I know in my house, I hate seeing the primary colored 
or plastic <laughs> toys that I'm like shoving into corners when guests yeah, come over. I hiding. wanted something that could be, <laughs> be out there, right? Totally. <laughs> um, so we we came up with the figgy. It's a set of four base cushions and two rectangles plus a wedge. And it's made of the perfect density of foam. So it's stiff enough to be used as like a ramp and run up and build with, but it's soft enough to be able to sit and jump on. And so we have a patent pending Velcro connection system. So if you think about kind of like Legos or something, you can connect different pieces together um, and really let your kids use their imaginations. And then at the end of the day, pop it back together and it's an awesome couch in your <laughs> right. or chair in your kid's room. And it grows with them, right? So maybe when they're little, they're crawling on it, learning to stand. Then they're getting bigger and they're building forts. And then they're teenagers right. and they're using it for sleepovers and then taking it to the dorm with them when they go to college. <laughs> wow. I mean, talk about a bunch of different age brackets. So when I first saw it a couple of weeks ago and I got the information from you guys, um, I was like, it reminds me of like, when I was little, I'd pull together like all the couch cushions in the house and pillows and like make this fort or like a, a thing, but it was a disaster, you know, and my parents hated that we were using like the couch, yeah. nice couch cushions <laughs> for this thing and jumping on it and spilling on it. I think it's kind of like that for those that are listening and you can, you can obviously check it out in a moment. We'll be talking about figgyplay.com where you can go look at it. But, um, so, okay. So you have this idea. Did you know it was going to be all these pieces at first or like, what did that look like? We knew we had a basic idea of how many pieces we wanted to we wanted to start with. And this is where like Chris's engineering background came in handy too. Is like he wanted every piece to have a purpose and fit together. Um, and so that's how we kind of came up with everything. Um, the wedge is the same height as the block, so they can nicely align. And when it's all said and done, it's pretty compact and that's cool. Uh, aesthetically pleasing, right? <laughs> so you get you do the Kickstarter, you raise some money, you figure out how to get a prototype made, and you and you have to deal with some of the supply chain issues around that. And fast forwarding a bit, when did you get product that was ready to be saleable? And then what was the plan for getting it out to market, or only do D to C, or what did that look like? Yeah, so we were doing. We initially started doing B to C, and Got it. we had our first Kickstarter run that came that came out. We got that all shipped out. We knew with the cost of things. Um, and we were also struggling because there wasn't as much QA as we had hoped for over in Asia, um, which was problematic because there was no travel happening either. So you couldn't so, go over and kind of check things out or have somebody go and be, be a kind of a QA. Yeah. So we were like, we need to do something. And we ended up lucking out. We found um, a partner in Greenville, South Carolina an entrepreneur who had built a really strong mattress company and thought like us and loved the figgy. And we ended up moving a lot of our operations over here. So wow. okay. that's where we started like building our building out our, our inventory. And this factory also agreed to be our 3PL. So it was a huge, huge win for us. Um, and we ended up moving our cut and sew to Mexico. Uh, because we would have a little more ease of being able to get it cross over the border. Okay. Um, a lot of people don't realize that in America, there's not a lot of cut and sew. So and why is that? Mainly do you, do you know 
Do you know why? I, I don't know the answer on that, but do you? I think, I think one is labor. There's not a lot of people who want to do it anymore. Got it. Um, the, and cost the probably. Cost of it yeah. Is yeah. probably is is way too high. So the only things that they really do it for is like some American auto manufacturers and military. Right? Makes sense. The U.S. military is going to wear and use things sewed here. So a lot of them are already contracted. So Mexico is our next um, our next best bet. And then. As we kind of grew our brand, we got into um, some other spaces. So we sell on the Tot, Amazon, um, Nordstrom's picked us up, and we did Bye Bye Baby. So we started getting out into these other channels um, with the idea that direct-to-consumer would still, we hope to be our number one. Because you can make more margin there, right, obviously, in terms of shipping and like not having to pay the shipping for others. Yeah, so okay, so um, very cool. So you start getting on different platforms. Um, you've got your own off your website. So how have you been getting the word out about the product? Like, what kinds of marketing things are you doing to to build awareness? So it's it's so funny. I I really didn't know anything about marketing. Right. I feel like when I mean the you're side. you're in consulting <laughs> services. You know how to do that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I um that did come in handy. I did use a lot of LinkedIn recruiter to find people <laughs> nice. and say, "Hey, can you do this?" <laughs> LinkedIn um, recruiter, that's so funny. Yeah, you so can use it for a lot of things, like, you're right. <laughs> um one of I think like one of the things we're most proud of is uh so Red Antler is a really reputable company out there. They've done like Allbirds and Casper's websites and they pick and choose their clients and I ended up having a call with them and they quoted me $800,000 to brand our company and do our website. And so as a bootstrap right. startup, I was like, no way. Yeah. But I really like the quality of the work. So I found their former employees on LinkedIn and was able to hire them as freelancers <laughs> and um, still get a really great quality website and, and branding guide done oh, I for, a lot less. for a lot less. That's great. Yeah. Now, um, um, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was going to add on to the marketing piece right around this time. You probably are familiar that the iOS changes to Facebook and Instagram took place. Yes. So <laughs> not only like were we dealing with the pandemic supply chain issues, but, um, but then iOS changed, which was really had been driving a lot of our sales. So right. I, I got a crash course in digital marketing and like all the changes I needed to do and things I needed to learn. That's so funny. Yeah, we could spend a whole podcast on that, um, which we might at some point um, because it's so important to a lot of the guests that come on. Um, you mentioned you're a co-founder with Chris. How do you guys divide up the work and like how have you guys like managed some of the, I'd say the trade-offs that come with being a founder and a co-founder? Yeah. So as I said earlier, I love, I think like the best teams are diverse teams. Um, meaning like you don't want to hire yourself to be the the other person in the seat, right? <laughs> right. right. <laughs> That's funny. But yeah. Um, so I, so Chris has this amazing background of supply chain analytics and engineering and operations. And I am more of a front end kind of sales um entrepreneurial background. And so we divided into like front and back of the house. So Chris takes care of a lot of our supplier relationships, our prototyping, um, making sure that all of our 
our product is high quality, that it's past Intertech testing, who works directly with like our fabric milling um, folks all the way through cut and sew and whatnot. And then I do website branding, influencers, marketing, giveaways, uh, anything that would happen on the on the front end. Got it. That's cool. It's a good way to good way to balance it out. Um, as you're looking ahead, like the next six to twelve months, what are some of the keys to growth? How do you keep your momentum going now that you've got product and you know have a model for selling? Yeah, so we're we're really looking to maximize. So we just hired Pilot House to help us um, get our Google shopping and Google ads really up and running because I think that there's a lot of uh, potential there that we're not tapping into yet because. Uh, I'm not an expert in that space. Uh, we are leveraging Instagram and Facebook ads to help scale. And then a lot of working with influencers mm, and very good. Um, really trying to create some cool content as well so that we have evergreen content. And then it's really just about scaling and, and solidifying our brand in the market. So trying to talk to people and get word out about who we are and what our product is. That's good, right? That's that's you got to do it. It's hard, um, at least initially, to get some of that momentum going. And then, as you think about the product and product development, and it may be too early to be thinking about this. Do you think of offering this in different colors or styles or the components, or how do you think about it? Maybe even longer term. Yeah, we absolutely want to do that, and I think the first. Um, our first focus that I think has been good is like we want to have a perfect product. We want to have our base product, everything, everything nailed down before we look to expand into other products. And then we want them, whatever we add to really be meaningful. Got so it. we actually did just do a collaboration that's super cool. And I'm super excited about Newton Baby. They make one of the top baby mattresses out there. And they were looking for a way to upcycle the crib mattress once your baby grows out of it. A lot of them end up in landfills. Sure. And we designed a figgy cover that fits onto the Newton mattress. And now you can add that piece to your collection once your child's not sleeping on it anymore. That's cool. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool and crafty, you know what I mean, in terms of... Um reusing product that's awesome um so fun uh, you're an entrepreneur in multiple ways uh, i always love to ask our guests some of their biggest lessons learned that you'd share with other entrepreneurs there's a lot of listeners that are early stage a lot of listeners that are like multi-year in like they're growing they're in lots of stores and they're you know they're bordering on big um what would be two or three things you'd offer in terms of your experience and it could be from your consulting business or from the figgy business yeah, I always say that don't wait until things are perfect. You got to just start building the bike while you're riding it. Um, and I see so many people get hung up because some little things not my logo's not right, my colors aren't right. Just get out there and 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 start getting some momentum. Uh, the other is that a product company is so capital intensive. I didn't realize that in order to get ahead, you really need to have capital to be able, and especially in today's market with where we're still dealing totally. with supply chain issues. Totally. It's it's even longer sometimes from the time you have to put payments out till you get it back. Um, and then really find find suppliers and people that you can that you trust and that can mentor you along the way. So I always look to build my network with people who know way more than I do. And that saved me a lot of heartache and headaches. 
Sure. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned LinkedIn earlier. I mean, I, we have so many guests that come on and they'll, they'll say, hey, I just reached out to these people cold. I didn't know them. I told them what I was working on and look at all the relationships I now have. I mean, it's people want to help others, especially as you're building something. Yeah, I 100% agree with that. That's cool. Um, listen, I, so fun uh, to see where here where you are and what you've done uh, and the success you're having early. And then I think so much runway and stretch in front of you. But um, before we go, I'd love for you to share where can people find you, connect with you, check out the product, buy the product, etc. Awesome. Yes, you can find me at figgyplay.com, rachelneal.com. And on LinkedIn, Facebook, any of those platforms, if you look for Figgy or Rachel Neal, uh, you should be able to find me. And then if you're looking for a job in one of those areas, <laughs> come on down to my consulting group, uh, Group.com, or if you're a company that needs talent. Oh, my God. I love it. Um, so cool. Um, and, and you as an individual and your brand, it's fun to see uh, the things how, and how you're applying your like talents and skills. Really cool. And I, that's really what I think makes doing their show a lot of fun sometimes um or uh, every time really um but especially you, know, you meet people like you so uh it's so great hey rachel so thank, thanks so much for spending time with us and we got to have you back on down the road as you continue to grow and just really appreciate you being here today awesome thank you so much for having me the contender cast is sponsored by henderson shapiro peck and powered by contender brands you can download additional ContenderCast episodes directly via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartMedia, YouTube, and other preferred podcast platforms. If you would like to be a guest on the ContenderCast, connect with us at ContenderCast.com. This is Brian Benson reminding you that every winner started as a contender.